first piece over here refers at his absolute best <laughs> okay um, to take this seemingly dry discussion the halakhic discussion in Gemara and make out of it a major understanding hashkafic understanding of one of the foundational concepts in the Torah uh-huh. is like wow right you know so that 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 ability to to move back and forth between the two things, I think, is one of his strengths. Just, in general, he, one of the, which he's very fascinating thing. This is really not our, not the issue for tonight. Just one point out. Rav Hirsch, we have now. I mean, now I mean, you know, was it 2019? But you know, um, he published in German. A long essay to explain what he feels is, is a valid symbol in, in the Torah concept. He felt a lot of the mitzvahs work with ideas of symbols or certain messages, which the different mitzvahs act as symbols. Um, and he felt in order to act as a, a symbol, it has to have meet very, very specific criteria. So, so I honestly feel that the, 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 the idea behind this mitzvah is teaching us a certain lesson. Without knowing all of the halachas of that mitzvah, and that this idea should fit into all of the halachas, he felt was not a valid symbol. The Rambam in in the mostly in the Gimel, talks about tamei mitzvahs, different reasons why we do certain mitzvahs. You know, certain like type of messages and ideas that they give it. He does it based on a very loose associations. So the, the Torah give this mitzvah teaches me a certain type of lesson. It doesn't exactly fit perfectly. That's good enough for it around. And if Hirsch was was very strong against that, I once heard I don't recall from whom that that the Zalman Sarotskin, the Lutzka Rav, who wrote the Pirish Islam Torah, so his son was a Bar Sarotskin with my was the tells of Rosh Hashiva. So I, maybe I heard it. I only heard from a bar directly. I might have heard it from him, somebody who heard it from a bar. That the Lutzka Rav one time said, Rabbi one time said, he says, it's clear from Hirsch's Pirish on Vayikra that there wasn't a rival in Tarskahanim, but the Hirsch did not know backwards and forwards. And you see that he pulls out rivals all the time. You know, If he's trying to build up a, a message, it has to fit every single halachic detail. So that's that's general. That was his approach, and the, and the explanation why the Raman felt it wasn't necessary. Um, probably the conversation at a different time. So very beautiful, very beautiful essay about it by Rizal Miller, formerly of Pittsburgh, now of Calgary. He wrote a um, he wrote a few books for art school. One of them was "What's Wrong with Being Happy? What's Wrong with Being Human?" Something like that. I think he has two books. So one of those books, he has an essay about this argument between Rosh and the Rambam. Very interesting essay. That's not our topic tonight. Um, but he, in this week's parsha, the Torah mentions the idea of kinyanim. So this, the Torah is writing in the context of this of in some way. Um, Cheating somebody in, in, a, in a sale, but the Torah mentions kinyanim, and the more I actually learns out some of the halachas of kin, how kinyanim work, the act of acquisition works from these psukim. So this, so in this parsha, besides discussing the mitzvah of shemitah and yovel, etc., he discusses the halachas of the, the halachic concepts of kinyanim, and what is the message behind that. So. So now we, we differentiate in Allah between the Chasim, which are re, what we call American real property, which means karka, something which is the, the ground or something which is attached to the ground. The Kenyan of that are Kesashar and Chazaka. But the, the focus we're going to focus on right now is the Kenyan which are movable objects, items which are movable. So the, the Kenyan are not Kesashar and Chazaka, the Kenyan are Mashiach, Hagboa, Masira, etc. Okay, but movable goods can only be acquired by actually taking them physically into one's domain. Meshicho, or we say by lifting them up off the ground, hagboa, 
or where the object is too big and heavy, such as a boat, according to some opinions, also with, with animals, actually referring to Mechogs and the Gemara, whether that's only by Behema Gasa, larger, like the, not by a goat or a sheep, you can pick them up. By Mesira, um, um, which means as soon as the sale is made, the buyer with the knowledge of or the request of the seller draws the object towards him, or where this is not practical, the request of the seller simply takes hold of it. Um, so Mashiach is to bring it to you, and it has to be, the Gemara says, the requires that the seller says the phrase, Lech Meshach Ukenei, Lech Hagbei Ukenei. So the, the, the seller tells the, the purchaser, the buyer, go and do the Mashiach and be kind so the purchaser then takes it to himself and he's cardinal. So that's Mashiach. Okay, fine. But the law that we tell the Nikhlim in Mashiach, according to the teaching of Rabbi Yerchanan, which is accepted as a law, is only an institution of the Rabbonim. It's a The original law was that acceptance of money was the only means of transference of goods. The Ratara Mos Konos, Mirarais of the Kenyan. Of even metal and movable objects was mitaraisa was kasef by karka and by metal the kenyan is kasef now by by karka there's also kenyan star there's no star by metal so stalker works by karka and not by metal mitaraisa the only way you're kind of metal is with kasef um Khalipin. okay so why According to the Torah, the deal is completed by movable, for movable goods as soon as the money changes hands. Even the buyer has not yet touched them, and they're still lying in the domain of the seller. But our sages found it advisable to make the law that the deal is not considered completed until the goods are actually tra- handed over to the buyer. So the responsibility for care against fire or loss of the interim between purchase and delivery lies entirely with the seller. Because if the, if the Kenyan is immediate, mm-hmm. and he paid for it already... So then the seller says, listen, it ain't my problem anymore. <laughs> now the fire breaks out. He says, aha, tough luck on you. I got the money. <laughs> right? So since they haven't actually transferred the item, because Mashiach and Hagboah obviously are assuming that now we've transferred the item, I take the item to myself or I pick it up. So those guarantee they're not going to have that headache of this fight in between. So we said, you know what? Let the Kenyan bone take effect later on. But Midorais, it takes effect immediately. Now that's Rabbi Yechonah. Rish Lakish holds the opposite opinion. It takes the phrase in this week's parsha of our text and expressly indicate that Mashiach is the means of transference. Mashiach of Rashi's Minatara. You're karnamiyata means that you are karnamiyata from that, you take it from that person. That's how you're karnamiyata. So the Pasuk is actually saying the way you're karnamiyata is by taking it from the person. Um, that he says, I mean, the Yadzar itself says that objects are to be acquired by handing over from the hand of the seller to that of the buyer. Rebbe takes me out of his to refer to not the form of the transfer, but to the nature of the object itself, which must be something that can be handed from the hand of the owner, can be handed by him, is movable, and therefore the halachas of Noah reply to Metaltlin more than Makark. Not the more says, so the, the main point of the Pasuk is not the Kenyan, because the Kenyan is Kassif. The point is, when you do this act of handing something over, alternatively, so you can't do it all, but ain't an all the Karkos, the more says. So that's the, por- the purpose of the Pasuk, according to Birchel. But, okay, so we have this clearly halacha d- d- argument based on the Yukim and the Psukim, no hashkafic difference between the two, right? So far, so good. Okay. Now, according to Birchel, the legal form of acquisition by Meshicha and Hagbob is Minatara only applicable to owner. owner the, the act of Mashiach or by Hagboah is only applicable to ownerless goods. Because you can't say you're kind of a Kasef, Hefker, so over there you do Hagboah, you do Mashiach. Or, or according to Torah, by gifts, Matana, again, I'm not giving any money. In case there's no Kasef, no compensation to be paid, so then the Kenyan is through Mashiach or Hagboah. According to Rabban, even for gifts, Mashiach and Hagboah have no power of legal acquisition. And therefore, gifts and movable goods can only be acquired by Chalipin or with a connection with land and property, Kenyanagov. Okay. So, fine. Now, let's talk about where this comes from. So, I, I want to put Rehersh on the hold for a second. There's a piece from Yerucham, which I did not photocopy, in the end of the Parsha Tazriya. 
he, he talks about the idea of Kinyanim. So Rabbi Rucham writes, it says like this, let's stop for a second and think. Um, the, what's the difference between a Lamdan and a non-Lamdan? Right? A Lamdan understands that wherever you're learning, it's not just the specific thing in front of you. There's a principle there which can be expanded and applied in multiple scenarios. To get to that, the lumness, the what, what is the foundational principle here, and as opposed to the specific case, is to be able to really understand it, and you can extrapolate beyond. And we understand that the goal is to, to learn Torah in, in such a level. Okay, we have a cloud which, which everybody's familiar with. Right? Tremendous cloud. Um, it has parallels in American law to some extent, etc. But it's not exactly the same, etc. But once I'm muxik, he says, but when a lot of them asks, always asks why. Why is the Muslim Kharilabaraya? If I want to understand what, what is really the message here, if they say, why is there such a thing? The Torah is putting its imprimatur on the concept of, of, of ownership in a very, very powerful way. What's that about? So he says, he brings over here going. The going says that the Psukim is stressed by, by Purim that. The Haman was because Lahashman, Lahargal Abed, the Hudim, Minarba, the Tabanosh, Ushalom, the voice, and he's going to take possession of, he's going to take all the all the booty. Okay, so we say, listen, listen, here's the deal, guy. We're going to kill you, your wife, your kids, your parents, your cousins, your brothers, your sisters, everybody, and not only that, they're going to take your car also. <laughs> all right? Like, really? Like, you know, like, oh, hey, it's really horrible. The car, it would have been the car, it would have been okay. It's like, you know, you know it was a Jack Benny, you know, joke. I mean, like, you know, really? So the going says on this that there are yesh ba'adam dalad devorim. Each person, his expression of his being applies in four ways. Nefesh, ruach, and neshama, and his kinyan. It's like, wow. All of a sudden, we moved Kenyan up there together with the person's Nefesh, Ruch, and the Shama, the three different levels of the soul, and his Kenyan. So he goes to, Haman wanted to destroy every one of them. The Shalom suppose obviously, is to, is to destroy the Kenyanim. And that's why Chazal gave us four different things to do in Purim. Right? One is connected to the, the, the goof that, that we eat, and then there's one which we, 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 we give. Matanas Lavyanim is connected to all of those. We give Matanas. That we, that we, we make sure even the Niam have money. Everybody has possessions. That's what the guy says. So on this piece, Jerukham says, So, so why, why are Kenyanim so powerful? Why are they so important? He says that you, if you live in a world where there be no Kenyanim, you wouldn't have a Luchesan. The power of chesed is rooted in the concept of I have, I have what to give. If I lived in the world where everything they have didn't belong to me, so I can't act like a Kodesh Baruch and be a giver. <laughs> and the whole purpose of the Bria is to be able to connect to Kodesh Baruch Hu, who created the world as a giver. So the who created the concept of ownership <laughs> as a vehicle to allow me to be a giver. Wow. Wow, right? It's like a whole new thought process. He says, and this is, so this, of the concept of ownership, they're against ownership. Communism. He was a that uh, they don't know about like, the ownership. I'm, I'm beyond that. I don't. It's not important to me. Everybody wants everybody. Everybody wants that. The idea that you own your peripheral things is capitalism. It's like horrible. It's mean. It's horrible. Evil. Ah, you know. And I get on that, right. Um, um, she says, So they think it comes from goodness. Uh-huh. 
Right? The, their goal over here is not so much that they should re- remove the concept of the bylaws that everybody should have, is that it shouldn't be the others have. That's deep down what's going on. He says, but what they've done is they've totally destroyed an expression of the human being. And it can't last. It has to, it has to fall. Somebody writes. By being ownerless? The, creating a world which is ownerless where there's there's no vehicle of a human being to be a giver, and it's a fascinating thing. What happened to communism? What happened to Russia? People became takers. People, everybody was grabbing for themselves because it wasn't spread evenly. It wasn't right, and the, the people would hoard. My Sherry has a great joke. He says about this. Um, um, they, you know, they, oh, they always, they always have like the the doc, indoctrination. You know, you get you get somebody up there, and you know. The, the the polo truck would get up and he would you know talk about how great the, the you know the motherland is and the giving to the, the so they put, take the comrade and says comrade you know being you know expression of a good good member of the communist uh, society says what would you do if you have two cars he says I would give one of them to the motherland he says what would you do if two houses I give one to the motherland what would you do if you have two sweaters the guy stops. Says, comrade, what were you doing with two sweaters? Doesn't say anything. He says, I understand you. If you're willing to give away a car and a house, you're not willing to give away a sweater? I have two sweaters. (laughs) 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 It's very nice to live on a theory. (laughs) So. The guy is saying that part of the expression of human being is the ability to have, I express myself on it, and the, re- the reason why the person created such a being, because that is, it is expression of the human being, because that allows them to be something greater, move beyond themselves and to be, to be a giver. So they destroy the, the source of them. And you see what happened to the people there. Both the people in control, and it, 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 it just ate them up. And the people which were on the other end, I mean, besides the fact that there was an oppressive society, they hoarded, because you never could get enough. So, let's go back to Hirsch. So he says, by the way, he says, the Mishnah says, Aramidus Badam, Aramidus Shali, Shali, Vishakha, Shala, Shakha, Zoymir Beninis, Vishakha, Zoymir Stoim. Listen, we don't share anything. Mine, mine, yours, yours, you know, Ayn Rand. There's no such thing as welfare states. Nobody, I don't help anybody else. You know, if, if you die, tough luck on you. Shali, shali, shakha, shakha. That's me to start. You say Ayn Rand? Is that what you said? Ayn Rand, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> shali, shakha, shali, amo aritz. Right? You know, I'll give, yours is mine, mine is yours. There's no such thing as ownership. That's amo it's, 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 it's a lack of understanding of the reality. Shali shakhav, shakhav shakhav is chasid. Shali shakhav shali, shali shali is rosh. Fine, good. That that one doesn't take too much to figure out, right? Zatim Hirsch. We go back to the definition of all rights of possession. We can find no other basis for the possession of property than, than God's dictum, we keep shua, with which he, the original owner of the world, the real Kaddish Shemayim set man on the earth with the order master it. Which means to make it his own by exercising his power over it. Um, so that when a man takes himself out of the wild from a virgin shrack that has not yet been appropriated by any other, with express or implied intention to make it his own, that by expressing consent of the original owner becomes his. Okay, so now, there's no such thing as owner of this land, really. Everything was the Bershom, as the owner, said, take. Keep sure. Take possession. Right, so we're starting with here. We have a scenario where the owner said, "Take." And what did I do? I took. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. That's Mashiach. Right. So here I have that the 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 first example of Torah of how to take possession is the owner says, "Take," and I take, and that's good enough. Um, it must be respected and treated as such, and without his consent, cannot be transferred into the possession of anybody else. So that for ownerless goods, the exercise of force can be shown just by taking them into one's possession. Hagbor Mashiach constitutes a right that they become one's property, etc. 
But even here, a simple force is not the source of the right. It's not because I'm powerful enough to beat you to it, therefore I get, I get it. The force is based on the same right, the declaration of the will of the original owner. So immediately we have a deal that property depends on two factors. The personal factor of the will of the present owner and the owner-to-be, and the factual factor of taking the object in possession. There is the will and there is the action. So even Mashiach, the owner says, Leich, Mashiach, connect. Go to Mashiach, then Mashiach works. You don't say that it doesn't work. So the Rosham in the Torah said, Keep Shua, now it works. You would have said that, I can't take possession of the land. Rosham made the world. So it's his. Right? The Gemara says, The Gemara says, Lashem Moros of Loyo, and Right? So both are true. So how does that work? So the Moor says through the process of Rocha. But, but the first thing, it goes back to the first Pasuk of Kibshua. Okay, so that's... Now, once that's how the Bershom set it up, so in the sphere of human commerce as well, the current terms of goods from hand to hand would follow the same course. With the consent of the present and the would-be owner, the transfers would be accomplished by the latter taking the goods into his possession. And that's what Rishlaka says. So we're good. So what's Shana Right? So Rishlaka says, listen, let's go back to the, the, the first act of Kenyan in the world when we're, we're, we're clearly back to the real owner. The real owner says, here's the deal. I'm agreeable. You take it. Everything's wonderful. So that, therefore, Ahayoyim, we're going to work the same way. The person says, the, 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 the one human now has possession. Says the other one, I'm asking, go take it. And he takes it and he's trying. So what Shabbat Shalom says, Kasef. He's asking that you need Kasef afterward. I'm saying, right, it's not. But Kasef is not part of the Mysore Kenyan. It's a Chayim moment that I owe you. Right. It's not intrinsic at all to the Kenyan. But teaches us that the means of accomplishing the acquisition of property according to the original law, only applies to non-Jewish, Noachayan world. How do you pronounce that? Right? Because that's the more important According to B'yachim, the Kesev is Kaino, but by Akum, Meshich is Kaino. So what's Takib Shat? Why by the Goy is Meshich Kaino? Why by the Yid is Kesev Kaino? Like, what's the Hashkafic difference? But for the Torah ideal of life in the Jewish state, acquisitions goods can only be made by Kesev. That's the more Bakaris that for, for that Karim Yerchanan it says he darshins Miyana Misecha. When you do it from a Jew, it's with Kasef. When you do it from a Goy, it's not a Misecha. So then it's talking with, with Mashiach. So unless you're mistaken, he wants to suggest a shot. The underlying idea of this teaching is to make the sharpest possible distinction between the relation of man to object in the realm of nature and the realm of fair dealing with the relation of man to man imposes. Okay, now. In general, uh, a lot of the, the Baalei Machshav will understand that the, the, what is the message of the Zion Mitzvah Ben Enoch? Um, if you look at the Zion Mitzvah Ben Enoch, the Zion Mitzvah Ben Enoch basically are, are a way to maintain the, the, the earth. There's, there's six Los Asses, and there's one Asse, which is to create courts to make sure you do those six Los Asses. Right? So, it says, here's the world, respect the world. I'm not asking you. I'm asking you. Don't mess I, it up. <laughs> don't mess it up, right? So don't 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 take somebody else's wife. Don't kill. Don't do a Zora, like etc. It's all don'ts. I once there's a safer from Brazil Tauber. Just uh, nifter. Just nifter. Right? That called the name of the safer is called Choose Life. And he gives a gvaldig mushal. It was the the, the, the the story. The, the, it's a true story, but you know, he, you know, the, the writer expands on it um, about this this non-Jewish woman and the Jewish man who were in a relationship. And then, you know, and then he's getting a little bit interested in her, and she's trying to understand what what's happening over here. So she comes along to one of these seminaries to hear you know, one of these retreats, the Shabbos retreats, to hear what it's all about. So at some point in the Shabbos, they, they, the, the couple approaches the rabbi, um, like informing, you know, asking the question, like what? So he said, he says, I want to tell you a fascinating thing. He says, when you, when you travel, you came here by plane. 
you paid good money for that for that to be on the plane. And you know, and and, and you, for most of the flight, you were stuck in your seats with limitations. What you're supposed to do, etc. Says, are you aware of the fact that there was people on that plane who did not pay a penny at all to be in that flight? <laughs> and matter, and they were allowed to walk around as much as they want. Said who? They actually got paid. <laughs> the stewardesses and the stewards. So that's not fair. It says, but what's the difference between the stewards and the stewards? It says, when the plane gets here and goes back, they go with it. So, so some people, the plane is a vehicle to get somewhere else, but then you leave the plane and you, do, and you have what to accomplish. Some people are there to service the plane. The, 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 the Jews travel through this world. The world is a vehicle to get us to to a, a goal the Russian has for the world. The world is not the purpose. We're the passengers on the plane. What do we do with the time we're there? Well, we, we read, we're preparing for that next stage. So you get ready, you know, you sleep a little bit, and you read through your itinerary, and you study up on the, on the, on the maps where you're going to go, right? Uh-huh. Right? So but the steward of the stewardess is, the Umas Arlam, their, their purpose here is to maintain the world. So she asked them, you know, well, can the stewardess ever change to become a, become a, pa- a passenger? She says, yeah, pay, pay, pay a ticket. Okay. So that's his muscle that he uses to, to, to talk about the whole process of difference between a Jew and a non-Jew, etc. So it's a, it's a very, I think it's a very, so that, this, that's his concept. He says, so in the, the Russians set up the world before, the, before the, the Israel comes along, you take, there is a concept of force, as long as the owner is agreeable, you take and you become the owner. So in the world of nature, you take without having the owner agreeable. The lion doesn't ask permission of the, you know, the sheep. He says, listen, sheep, you know, I'm a little bit hungry, I'm going to take you. He says, well, I, I, I'm not asking, you know. It doesn't work like that. It ju- it's just taking. Okay, so you understand in the world of human beings, you know what, i got to get permission from the guy. The Russian gave us this, set this up in the beginning. As long as the owner is agreeable, you can take it, get possession. That's a beautiful way of doing it. You're, you're very one with nature. Everything is wonderful, etc. That's not what the Torah wants from man. That's not the, the, the relationship between man to man that the Torah is, is expecting of the Jew. It's not about taking. Um, there, where there are no owners and no personal relations involved, and there alone, force, actual seizing of an object is the source of a right to it. When something is hefker, Okay, I get it. But here, where goods have already passed into possession, they become part and parcel of the possessor. That's part of the being of the person. And not even and not even complimentary is actual grabbing to be an additional title to ownership. So there's no way to take it away from him. Like the guide was saying, that the part of the expression of a human being is the ability to have ownership. That's an, it's a vehicle expression of man. Shot and pach and katanim. So, so it, it's 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 part of who he is. You can't take it away from him. You have to expect that. You have to respect that reality. So, what can you do? Between man and man, rights and rights alone are to be the source of ownership. Once the, the right to an object has been acquired, it passes automatically wherever it happens to be until legal possession of the new owner. The right of claim to the object is acquired by its value being accepted from the hands of the new owner. And then so the object comes to the possession. If I, if, I, if I, as it were, exchange that for something else, I give you money instead. I give you the value of it, the full value of it. So in a certain sense, I haven't taken away from you. Your possession is still there. Then it's possible that the item can be transferred. But no other way can it happen. Because kinyanim are intrinsic reality of the Bria. Which, once you, respect, you recognize that and you respect that, there's no way I can take it away from you. That's the understanding of Birkin's concept. You're like, wow. And that went from like an interesting Londish Maklaikas in the Gemara to this major Hashkafic Yisrael of how we look at Kinyana. I mean, he doesn't quote the, the Bundagoyan, he doesn't quote the, like Birkin does, but that idea that, so I think it's very Gishmak that the, the Mishnah says that, you know, that the, the one who says, Shali Shachal Shali, there's no ownership, is Amoritz. He's not knowledgeable of what the Torah has to tell us. The Torah is respecting ownership in a tremendous way. Now, like Abraham says, so what's the, why is that so? Because that is what makes us have to be we have the ability to give be givers. 
but, but that's so, it's such an intrinsic part of the expression of a man, there's no way you can take it away from me. The only way you can, you can do is as a word is to give me something instead. So now I, I, I'm not really losing my, my reality. Now, then he says, um, but for the application of this theory in law, the presumption is assumed that the general respect for fair play would ensure that while it remains in the premises of the seller, they'll receive the, the same care and protection as the latter's own goods, but that's not really true. Because, therefore, we said, you know, let's go, let's do Kenya Mashiach because, uh, right? Um, okay. Um, now, I, I, want, I want to take this, he touches on this a little bit, I'm not going to read it, read it inside. I want to take it a step further. Um, there's one exception to this. There's a fascinating discussion, in the, in the longness of, of Dabra, which is Shalom and Abri Shusay. So in Aveda, the Actually, it's a and right? It's It's mine, but, but I have no authority and power over it. It's not really in my possession. I own it. Being lost doesn't make it not, that's not mine. I don't have to do, do a new Kenya when I get it back. You can't sell. You can't be maktish. You can't give us a matana. You can't even be after it. You have no power over it. Okay? Taking a step weiter. Somebody finds an Aveda. Right? So, he's kind of... If there's... Were it not for the Dine Hashava, and it's an where there's no Dine Hashava, so Lach is, that he, he, he's kind of... Now, it belongs to the Rubain still, but it's it's a Simon. So Ruben's Miyayish. So the Ksais learns it's not Hefker. It's Ruben's item, which Ruben was Miyayish and ownership. At that point in time, when Shimon picks it up, he can be kind How did it happen? It's all Ruben's. The whole mile of Kenyanim is that it can be expressed and do something with it. I own I own money which I have in some vault and I do nothing with it. That's not the reason why the Russian created Kenyanim. So at the other end of the spectrum, that if I have something which I cannot do anything with it, it's not really ownership. That's Shalom and Rishosah. So at that point in time, it functions similar to the concept of Hefker. So somebody finds it can take possession of it. Since the Torah gave a mitzvah Shavas so that, as it were, maintains my ownership. Because I'm going to get it back through the Mitzvah Shavu Zaveda. When there's no Mitzvah Shavu Zaveda, because Dorosh Ebersimen, and therefore the person is Miyayish, etc. So there's no Mitzvah Shavu Zaveda, so then I can take it. Even though it still belongs to the owner. Because it's not, there was no act of Hefker. So luckily it's still his. But that, how uh, luckily would still which preclude somebody else from taking it and becoming the owner, no longer exists. And that's the deep cut of the lumbness, I think, of what happens by by. So the mindless hakinyanim is because it's an expression of man over over the matter. That's what the mindless is. But when that's not true anymore, so avedish shot nor, so it's 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 totally out of your possessions and the conversation. By definition, it's not yours anymore. Now, the more I'll give you two more, take it two steps weiter. So there's you have a Gemara which talks about the idea that that chametz isurei hanoah becomes shalom and brishusa. So the more it says that betzim you should not be chayiv. The Torah is not for chametz that you own. Once it's elsewhere known, you can't do anything with it. It's not really yours. It's, it's mine. What does it mean it's yours? I can't do anything with it. That's not ownership. So the Gemara says that it really should not, person should not be chayiv. The Torah put it back in the Rishos as it were to be of you. The Torah held you responsible for it, even though you don't really own it. Because you can't do anything with it. 
So, Esurian Noah, according to some Rishonim, is mavatol bialis totally. And some learns the Rashi says it's shaloi v'anim b'shusoi. But that more so that that's not called shaloi. I'll take it one step right. There's a mukhlak to more where the king of Paris is kicking in a goof dummy. So Ruben owns a field. And Ruben sells the field to Shimon. And Ruben says, I'm still the owner of the field. I own it. But all, everything that the field produces is yours. All usages of the field belong to you. So the more it has a mukhlak is whether the king of Paris is kicking in a goof dummy or not. The more it applies it to when they bring me Kurim, who says about Dhamma Shanasatali? The one who owns the pears, the one who owns the goof. Hadama Shernasati, the land. Well, one of them says, the person who is king of pears says, Hadama Shernasati. Don't, you don't own the land. Yes, I do. Because what do you mean your own land, which you can't. The, the, the whole mile of Kinyanim is that it expresses something. If I can't do it with it, that, that's, that's a Kinyanim. The more says, there's a dinner by a, by a person. person kills an Evid Kanani. The owner of the Evid kills the Evid. If the, if the Evid survives, for 24 hours, he's not Chayv Misu. He hits him, and the Evid doesn't die right away. The dinner of Yom Yomai. The Morris says, what would be a situation where the Evid is shared, one person owns the Guv, one owns the Paris? Who gets the dinner of being owning the Evid? The Morris says, the Guv told me. And one of the says, it's all, the, king, the, guy, the, the person who uses the Evid is called the owner. So ownership is not this idea that I can, I can, I, I can mark a number in the bank. That's not a giver, that's a taker. Can't do anything with it. So what if it's mine? I, I can sit there and I, I can enjoy the fact that I have a lot of possessions. What do I have out of thing? Nothing. I can show my account I have millions and millions and millions of dollars. Go ahead. If, if, it, if it's not an expression of, of, of the human being being able to do something with it, it's not, it's, not, it's not that extension of mankind. Then it's a whole different thought process. So I think that's the message over here. That um, um, then he's, uh, now th- 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 one more piece over here. This landed property, what we call real property, association of Christ, is not as we already m- remarked, is by nature really in the possession of its owners. They do not grip it, but are gripped by it. It's not one from hand to hand. Its owners change on it. It still accordingly is more transfers of rights than transfers of objects, and therefore obviously everybody agrees whether that it has the Kenyan is going to be Kasef. Um, and the idea of, of a star, which is the star is take this transfer of ownership and embed it into a piece of paper, embed it to, into, into a, a, a document. There's a Maisha with the Rizal Hanan. There were two people who were having a, a fight about uh, a piece of property. And they're going back and forth screaming. He's other yelling at such a Rizal Hanan, the Gullah door. After the whole thing, he says, You know what? I hear what you said, I hear what you said. I want to hear what the land has to say. So he said, Let's go out to, let's go out to the land. <laughs> they go out to the field, and Yisrael puts his head, his head down, like ear next to the land, and he's listening intently. And they're like, "What is going on over here?" So he pokes up. He says, you know, I, "I'll tell you what the land said. The land says that Reuben says that the land is his, and Shimon says that the land is his, and the land says you're both mine. You're gonna end up in me." <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so. Right. Mic drop. <laughs> so they, you know, this they do not grip it, but they are gripped by it. I think is a very good description. <laughs> um, th- there's, we read a. a, 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 a this was in t- tells, I think, in tenth grade, in the 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 English class. So we had, you know, the the, the reader book that you had different stories you had to read. There, the, there was a story called "How Much Land Does a Man Man Need." Right, you know that story? Yeah, yeah. Um, William Bennett's Book of Virtues, I think. Okay, good. But go tell it, I think. What? I'd like to hear you tell it. Okay, so I, I haven't, the last time I read it was in 1976. So if, I, <laughs> if you need to correct me, you can correct me, please. Um, so it's about this person who won a right from the, the, the governor that he, to get a large tract of land. The deal is that he gets a tract of land. 
he has he can, whatever he can walk around becomes his. He has from sunrise until sunset. If he doesn't close the box by sunset, he gets nothing. Right. So, and the, the whole town hears about it, and they come up, you know, the, you know, the day the day it's going to happen, and they, it's bright and early. He's there, and the whole city's there watching what's going to happen, and he starts, you know, he starts going east, let's say, right? So, you know, this mind saying, you know, it's time to turn, start going, you know, start going north. He says, no, I'll go a little bit further, right? So he goes a little bit further, and then again, the same thing happens. And he says, you know, I really, I really have to start turning north, and he turns north, and again, he has the same thought process, and then he turns west, then he turns south. And as you know, in the days the sun is going lower and lower, and he still hasn't closed the box, and he has this nice gigantic tract of land, and and the people are cheering him on, they're cheering him on, and he's pushing himself, he's pushing himself, and all of a sudden he sees the sun goes below the horizon, and he's devastated. But the people are still cheering. And he hop, it's on top of a hill, and for them the sun is still up. He sees the sun going below the horizon. Right, but for them, they're cheering him out, and he's pushing himself, and he's exhausted, and it's uphill, and he's going, and he's going, and he's going, and just for the last moment, he has a heart attack. And the answer is, how much land does a man need? The mountain you need to bury the person. That was the that was the end of the story. It was like you know, great, you know, a very morbid story for our tenth graders. That you know, what? Dense, dense, but it's dense. <laughs> So, um, why well, I, I haven't tracked down that story since then? It's in the book. Okay. Book of virtues. Yeah. Okay. They still read books of virtues in schools nowadays. <laughs> it wasn't written for school. You said over here. Forbidden literature. <laughs> so, I have when I was reading this piece over here from Hirsch about they are gripped by it. I thought of that story. and I thought of the Meister Rizal Chanan. Says there's no such thing as taking possession of land, um, but the um, what, there's one exception, and there's a fascinating more. The more says that when it comes to countries, Kenya Kibush is a Kenyan. The more says, how do you know? Says Amun Amoyev Tiru B'Sichon. Christ was not was not allowed to take possession of the land of Amun Amoyev. Sichon. Uh, fought with Amun and Moiv and took possession of their lands, and then Christ was able to take the, take the land of Sichavoig. They can't take the land of Amun and Moiv. It's not Amun and Moiv anymore. Mm-hmm. It's Sichavoig. Acquiring something through conquering a land is called a valid ownership. Right? So, I. I the way I understand that concept, this is based on the. Based on the I think it's a board for Rulchanan, but it's this Yisoy. Whereas, in an individual level, if somebody steals it from me, he's carbage from me, etc., it's not really taking possession of it, he never can really get ownership. But on a national level, what the, what, what the Torah is saying, there is such a reality of whether we like it or not, of that's the Sikhsuk which takes place between the nations. We can't, it, 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 realistically, it's not yours anymore. A new nation has moved in. Tell the Palestinians. What? Tell the Palestinians. <laughs> oh, it, it works both ways. Right. Right? You know, I'm saying the Jew, well, the Jews say, well, it's our land. How do I know? Because we owned it 3,000 years ago. Right. Right, you know, a second. Stop. There's been a lot of people who took possession since then. If that's the only way you have ownership, you don't have ownership anymore. If you want to say, listen, because the Torah says it still <laughs> belongs to us, okay, then you got to believe in the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, to argue with it's ours because once upon a time it was ours, well, that's not going to work. Well, the, the, just the, the, based on history alone, that's what the more is saying. The history that was once upon a time Amun Amov is irrelevant. It's not Amun Amov anymore. Now it's Sichut. So I can take it from Sichut. I can't take it from Amun Amov. I can take it from Sichut. But, but you start of the concept is whereas by individuals, the, you never can say you really, you know, even when the person steals it, uh, it's not. It's he, the mitzvah of Shabbos Gzela tells him he has to give it back. He had no right to take it, so he never gets the real ownership. But when it comes to nations, that reality on the ground becomes a reality. It's an ownership. What do you mean? I, it's ours, but having somebody else living there for the last fifty-five years. That's not ownership anymore. That's the chiddush that the Gemara is saying. So, at that level, even though Karkat and Gzelas. When it comes on a, on a, you can never really steal karka. 
because as much as there's idea of ownership, it's an ownership which is which is um, conceptual to a certain sense more than it's, it's it's factual. So the fact that somebody else is on the land doesn't take that away. But when it comes to nations, that, that that's not true. So what to think about of that? Why that's so? Um, and the last thing he talks about how Kenyan how Kenyan the Khalifa works. Okay, you know, I, 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 the piece of the Sassemas that they put in the packet, which you're not going to get to. Um, um, you can take a look at it. So, you know, Shemitah, Harsinai, like, you know, every Drush is like Shemitah, Harsinai, what's the connection? Is that, um, the idea of counting the years of the, of the Yavlis. The idea of counting the days. So the, the Torah refers to this is Sheba Shabbosos Tzimais. It's seven Shabbosos. It's not seven Shabbosos. It's seven weeks. Seven Shavuos. Why is it Shabbosos? So um, Make a you know a, a, a crude a crude marshal. You have a person who has a business, right? So I don't know his business is, is is selling cars, right? So he decides he wants to go to the business selling cars, and uh, it's okay. It's, I want to sell cars. I, I have to go buy cars. I want to sell cars. I have to learn all of the laws of what you have to do to sell cars. I want to I have to get a property where I can store them. I have to have a property where I have to have a nice show, showcase how to show them. I have to have a salesman and I have to train my salesman. He's doing many other things other than selling cars. Right? So he says, so I, I see this guy. I follow him around for three months and I see that he's spending time reading law books. I said, ah, the guy's a lawyer. <laughs> right? That's wrong. That's not true. I says I, so I see the guy going to auctions and buying cars. He's a car buyer. Also not true. I need to, at some point in time, see that there's some action which he's doing which defines what he is. And then once that's true, everything else is a part of that also. The relationship between Yid and Shabbos is supposed to be that my Shabbos defines what my week is. It says, if during Shabbos I let go of my possessions, what am I? I'm a person who spends the vast majority of my time acquiring possessions, acquiring olam hazeh, etc. If that's what you do all the time, so maybe that's what you are. It's like just like the guy who sells cars might be spending ninety percent of his time doing things other than selling cars, but it doesn't mean he's not a, he's not a car salesman. And I need to see what it is, right? Because. If Shabbos becomes the the, the the definition of what you're what you're about, then everything else becomes bottled to the Shabbos. The same thing is true in the process of the seven years, and the same thing is true in the in the Yovel cycle. So the, the the Torah is giving us a is giving us a, the purpose of Har Sinai. What the Torah gave us it was the same concept. So I'll just tell you a piece of Rav the voter brings a morale. Morale says, "Why does Masechet Shabbos start with Hutzal? Why the Malach of Hutzal?" So he says, Let, "Let's let's explain the question. If you look at Masechet Shabbos, take take the first mission of Masechet Shabbos out of the picture. That, that long mission, right? The, the next mission talks about the lachas of of some of the mincha. What you're allowed to do between before mincha. They go to the lachas of what you're allowed to do. What you have. What you're allowed. We're not allowed to do erev shabbos. They go to the lachas of how to light neiros, and all of those lachas. Then it goes to the lachas of being matman food for shabbos. So clearly, it's going in order. Right? Starting from the second mishnah on for the next four prokim, it's go, it's going in chronological order. And then, you know, okay, then it goes, eventually, in the seventh parak, it starts discussing the Lama Tesmalachas. Okay, you know, that Shabbos itself, what are the Malachas? We would have written, is the Shabbos? The Mishnah of Kal Godel, of the, of the, of the, the Lama Tesmalachas, I would have put Mishnah, Mishnah Aleph. Okay, they, they use a different system to teach. But why is there a Mishnah about saw first, and then we go through this prokim after prokim about the, the, the Seder Hayyayim? What you're allowed to wear to get ready, etc. And then we say, by the way, you know, um, what's going on? 
He says, what did Shabbos add to the world? It says, what's, there's a unique element in the in Hilchot saw. So, many cases of Hitzah, Mishnah is later on, in the, at the end of the 7th paragraph, the 8th paragraph, etc., there's shiurim for Hitzah. The person wants to be chai but so he has to take out a certain amount, and depending on what it's used for, larger amounts, smaller amounts, etc. What about a situation where you have a kli, which is very large, and clearly a shir saw, and there is seeds inside the kli which are less than the shir saw? So long as he's potter. Because the kli becomes a tuffle to the seeds, and the seeds are not a shir. Who decides that? The thought process of man. Your decision of what you want to do with it, what's eker, what's tuffle, and to the point that it defines what the action is, the place that you see that very distinctly is in the, is in the world of Hitzah. That's really what Shabbos added to the world. The six days of the week are the cleave, they're the, all of the actions. If on Shabbos you stop and you decide what the purpose of the world is, you change the cleave, the cleave becomes the tuffle, and the eker is something else. So the whole purpose of Shabbos being given to us is this ability to redefine what life is about. What we're doing the whole week can be defined, even though it's a, lot, it's a very big leap. It's a lot of action. It's a lot of work. A lot of physical reality. It's not defined by physical reality. It can be a gigantic box, but it's irrelevant if I decide that that's not what it's about. That's not what its purpose is. So the first mission, the whole Kiddush of Shabbos is this Yisoyim. That we can define what life is about in our minds, not by what we're doing, but what, what, what we decide on what the purpose of life is. That's the Kiddush of Torah. Torah came along and said there's a nature, and there's, you're, you're bound by nature, and there's all these things you have to do with nature, and that's what life is about, etc. Et no, 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 no. You, you, you define yourself by something greater than that. You rise above nature. Nature doesn't define you, you define nature. So that's the connection to Shemitah and Harsinah. That's the word that he says. Okay.